Thank you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church, Dundalk. Another day to be in the house of God, so I'm going to minister to you today. Um, I'm going to continue on with what we have been speaking on, which is being prepared to stand, right? And we're speaking about persecution. We're talking about, you know, um, what it's going to take for us as the church to stand for our faith and proclaim the name of Jesus in the days ahead, right? So specifically the importance of being prepared to stand against the pushback, which the Lord himself, Jesus himself said would come in John chapter 15 and verse 20 to 21. In those verses there, we read that in the, in the first week. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you, right? In several places throughout the word of God, Jesus is reminding us of the persecution that will come for his name's sake, right? But we looked at those things. We looked at that we're blessed. It looked at that we can count it all joy. We looked at that these things, when these things are coming against us, we know we're on the right track. We're doing something right because we are, we're standing up for the name of Jesus. We're standing up for what that represents and what his word says, church. And that's a reason to rejoice, amen? So why, will the, why does the world react this way? Well, num- the, main, the reason is because they don't know God, right? So if they don't know God, that's what Jesus said in John 15, chapter 20 and 21. He says, um, they, they persecute me because, uh, they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Why do they do these things? Because they don't know the, the Father who sent me, right? When they don't know God, how can they live how God desires them to live, right? So therefore, rebellion occurs, right? When rebellion uh, comes in and those then who are living godly before them will be persecuted for his name's sake, right? So light will always expose darkness, right? Darkness, where, where light is, darkness cannot be, right? Light will always expose darkness. God's light will always expose sin, right? God's truth, God, the, when we speak the word of God in truth, right? Not a watered down version, not a... <laughs> 21st century church model version. It's it, when we speak the truth of God with conviction and, and, and what the Bible says and, and speak from the heart of Jesus, you know, it'll expose sin. It'll expose people's need for, for him, right? So when this happens, when his light shines, it presents the individual with two choices. Number one, repentance. Number two, rebellion. That's the two choices, the repentance, a turning away from sin and a turning towards God, or two, rebellion, which is a refusal to accept or yield to God's way. So these are the two choices presented to all. But when the latter is chosen, right, these people then start to yield to an antichrist spirit. They start to push back against the things of God, push back the truth, push back against the truth of the, of, 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 of the gospel, to push back against the person or the Christian who is, who is bringing this light to the situation, right? So this is, a, this is how the persecution comes, right? So it's stirring up persecution for those who are following after Christ and fulfilling the purpose for their lives. So therefore, we need to be prepared to stand. Jesus spoke about it enough while he was here, so we ought to give it our attention, right? He wanted us to be ready without backing down or falling away, which is what we looked at last week. Um, you know, about we don't want to be... Um, we don't want to be those that fall away. We don't want to be that. We want to be like the early church. We looked at several examples in Acts of how they daily presented themselves in the temple, preaching and teaching the name of Jesus. Right. This was after the persecution, after persecution, arrest, beaten after beaten. As the persecution intensified, they intensified in their in their in their mission. 
right? Why? Because they were sold out to the calling, because they had an unshakable conviction, right? And we looked at a few of those things as well. I encourage you, if you, if you missed that, to, to um, catch up on those things, because it's, it's a, God's really trying to prepare us here. So we began to look through the Word of God at some examples of those who were persecuted for their faith. So examples and situations that God put in my heart specifically to share with you. And we looked at the Apostle Paul. We looked at even in the Old Testament, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We looked at, like I said, the early church, Peter, John, these people who give up their lives for the, for the sake of the gospel. Why? Because Jesus' life is so much better than ours, right? The life that he has to give to us, it is, it, it far, it's far superior than our life right? So these people had a real personal relationship with God. We could see many similarities throughout these examples, one of, wh- one of which was their unshakable conviction, right? It wasn't just a belief to them, it was a personal conviction, which means what? They were thoroughly convinced of the truth. You see, we looked at that, we said belief. Yes, people can say, I believe in that, or I have this belief or that belief. Beliefs can change like the wind, right? People say, I used to believe that, I don't anymore. I, I was once this way, I'm not anymore. You know, a, a belief is, is, is accepting something as, as truth or genuine or real or whatever. But if you have a real strong, deeply rooted conviction about something, it's not easily uprooted. It's personal. It's an, it becomes unshakable. It becomes personal to you. So it's, you're not, it's not as if you're adopting your belief of somebody else. It's real to you. And this is where you need to be in order to be prepared to stand. This is where these men and women were. And this is the example that we need to take, right? So we need to, de- we need to develop deep personal relationships about God and, who he, and what he says in his word. And what did we say? Because when we do, we can go out into this world, into the, into the, you know, the antichrist society, into this antagonistic society, and preach the good news of the gospel without being afraid of what's going to happen, without being afraid or have, without having that spirit of timidity, to, to, and shying away from these things, we'll be able to go out and speak with boldness. Why? Because we know what, who, who's backing us, right? We're, we, we're deeply rooted. We have an unshakable conviction. We don't crumble under pressure, right? So when looking at these examples throughout the word, each one of these people believed that what God spoke was 100% truth. 100% truth. There's no room for any doubt, right? They were so convinced of the truth of God's word when he spoke it, what they, the things that they experienced, the things that they were living by, they were so convinced by them they were willing to lay down their lives. Every single one of them. And their lives were not worth, it, not worth anything to them because they were living for him. It's no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. Amen? So this is what a personal conviction looks like. So church, how do we get there? That's the next thing. How do we get there? Well, last week we began to look at the direction of ensuring our foundations are built on the rock. And we went to Matthew chapter 7 where it talks about don't build your house on the sandy land, right? Don't build it on the beachfront unless it's on a good foundation. And if it's a good foundation on the beachfront, then you're blessed. Amen? But don't build it on the shore where there's sand, where there's unshake, when there's shaky ground, when there's ground that can shift and that the rains and the floods and the winds are subject, a ground that is subject to these things. Why? Because the house is going to fall and then you'll have to keep building and building. You see, the effort is in the laying of the foundation and it takes effort, right? When you build upon a rock, when you build upon that solid foundation, it takes effort to lay the foundation. But then when the foundation is laid properly, and then you start building upon that, which is the word of God, then you won't be shaken. 
Then you won't have to be knocked down by every wind, by every storm, and then have to start building again. And then it's more effort in the long run. Put the effort in in the beginning to get the word of God sown in your heart, rooted deep down in your heart, and then you won't have to deal with these things. It doesn't mean storms are gonna come, aren't going to come because the Bible says, remember we said in Matthew 7, the storm came against both houses, the one that was founded on the rock and the one that was founded on the sand, or, on the sand right? The storm came to both, right? But only one stood, the one that was on the rock, right? Because that had a firm foundation. That's, where we, that's how we start in getting these unshakable convictions. That's how we start in getting personal with the things of God. So I want to stay in that vein here and for a little bit here this morning because it's vitally important that we get our foundations right. So I'm going to look here in Mark chapter 4 if you want to turn there with me, right? And I absolutely love teaching on this uh, parable of the sower, right? But in Mark chapter 4, let me just read from verse 1. It says, And again he began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, listen. When Jesus says listen, better listen, right? When you, like there's a listen here for a reason. Give it your attention, right? He said, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced, some thirtyfold, some sixty, some a hundred. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So the understanding of this parable, right, church, let me tell you something. The understanding of this parable is key to us understanding other foundational truths when it comes to the things of God. Jesus said to his disciples later on, he said, if you don't understand this parable, you won't understand any other parable. This is a foundational truth, and we need to understand it. We need to get a revelation of what Jesus is teaching here, right? So, these, if we get this, if we unlock this revelation, it will give us important foundational truths that we can use every day in our Christian walk. Um, it's that important because it's teaching us about getting the Word of God deeply rooted in our hearts, right? So it's, it's similar to the, what I was speaking about here about putting a foundation in, right? Getting the, root, the Word of God deeply rooted in our hearts, it is about ensuring we have the correct foundation so that we can produce the good fruit. And also, if you're going to get to the point where you're going to be producing fruit and you're going to be, you know, excelling in the things of God and, and really, you know, pressing on, you need to withstand, be able to withstand the storms, withstand the winds, withstand the rains, withstand the persecution and the tribulation that's going to come, that's going to arise for the word's sake. And it specifically mentions these things in the parable of the sower. And that's what we're going to look at here, right? So, uh, Jesus goes on to explain, so he talks about, he, um, when he gets alone with his disciples, the disciples says, Lord, what does, this, what does this mean? And he starts to say, you know, if you don't understand this, you're not going to understand anything when it comes to the kingdom of God. And then he starts to uh, unveil what he, was, what he was meaning here. And it says in verse 13, and he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. 
when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their heart. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. We don't want to be that people. Amen? Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60 and some a hundred. So Jesus was using the example of a man sowing a seed which fell on four different types of hearts, right? This, the ground that it, this is talking about, it resembles a heart. The seed that is sown is the word of God, right? So the different types of ground is the heart. So you had the first ground, which was, you know, the ground where um, it, it, it's that hard ground. The seed can't even penetrate, right? The hard-hearted ground, right? The birds of the air come. Satan comes immediately to steal the word. Why do you think he does that? Because he knows the power that's in the word when it gets planted. So he doesn't even want to get it to the point where it's planted. He wants to rob it straight away. It's, you see it so many times, especially in like new believers and people like that. They, he comes to steal the word, right? The second type of ground is the stony ground. It's the shallow heart, right? It's the heart that, you know, receives the word with gladness, but they have no root. They has no depth of earth. So the seed, it can't put down roots if there's no depth, right? It can't, then it's easily uprooted when persecution, when tribulation and things like that come. The third type of uh, heart is the heart that, you know, receives the word. It starts to produce fruit, but then hmm, there's distractions. The thorns start to rise, the deceitfulness of riches, the cares of other things, the eyes start to shift. And these things that we're allowing to grow in our garden, they grow and choke the word. Do you, ever, do you have a flower bed at home or something in, 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 in your gardens at your house? And, you know, it may have lovely flowers on it. But if you don't take care of the weeds, the weeds are going to outgrow the, the plant. Do you ever notice that? Weeds grow twice as fast, right? When the weeds and all the thorns and the nettles and all that junk, when all that stuff starts to grow, it, it'll choke and it'll stop the, the actual plant or the flower or the tree or whatever that is planted. It will stop that from growing. Why? Because it chokes it. It starts to take up all the room. That's why we need to pull those things out of, out of our garden that's not of him. Amen? It'll choke the word. And then the final type of ground was the good heart. The heart that receives the word of God, let, gets it planted, and then it starts to produce the fruit. Some 30, some 60, some 100. So that's the four different types of hearts. I want to specifically talk about the second one because it's in line with what we're teaching here about um, persecution. It specifically mentions it. So the stony heart, right? So, but first of all, church, he was, Jesus was likening this to the kingdom of God. He said, this is like the kingdom of God. So when the seed, when the word is, the, the, his word is the seed that is sown, but it must be deeply planted in our hearts in order to produce the fruit, right? See, let me tell you, the word is what brings stability. The word is what brings the change. The word is never the variable, Right? The word is never the variable. The word is constant. The word is sure. The word is incorruptible, right? So what does that mean? It means that it has the same potential no matter what type of ground that it's sown in. The word is the same potential. You see, you can't blame the word. 
you, some people look at other people and their circumstances and their lives and they'll be like, oh, that stuff doesn't work because it didn't work for so-and-so down the street. No, the word is not the variable. The word has the same potential no matter what ground it is sown in. The problem is if the ground is not prepared to receive the word, it will, the word won't be effective. The ground is what produces. The ground, the seed is, of the word of God is what produces, but the ground has to be healthy and be able to receive it, right? So the type of ground or the type of heart is what will determine the fruit that is produced. The word has the same potential to produce fruit in everyone's life, but the difference in fruitfulness is how we respond to it. So the word has the same potential to produce fruit in everybody's life, but the fruitfulness depends on in how we respond to it. How are we, what type of ground? Are we going to be that ground that just is hard? The word can't penetrate. Are we going to be like the stony ground that has no depth of earth? Are we going to be like the thorny ground that chokes the word? Or are we going to be that fourth type of ground that produces the fruit? Because out of the four types of hearts, Jesus said only one comes to that place of maturity and fruitfulness. So that's the type of heart we need to have. A committed heart, church, is a fruitful heart. If we're not committed to stand for Jesus, if we're not committed to and, be, and, been, and prepared to stand for him, having his word as our foundation, we won't produce fruit in the kingdom. You may get to a certain point where you're producing certain fruit. You may get to a certain point and then it stops. Why? Because there's other things hindering that. We're allowing the, what's happening to make us retreat or push back or whatever, right? So, in verse 16 is what I want to particularly look at here, and it's the second type of ground. It says, These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, but they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. So the word brings joy. Did you ever hear the word, and it just stirred up joy on the inside of you? You know what I mean? It brings joy. It is a source of joy, right? It, you know, you may be going through something or you may be facing something and, and you're reading the word and, and the Holy Spirit speaks something to you and straight away it's like, bam, a wave of joy rises up on the inside. You're like, Lord, why am I even giving this my time? Why am I even worrying? Your word says, what will worry add to me? Not one cubit to my stature. It won't, affect, it won't do me any good. So Lord, why am I sitting here worrying? And then this joy starts to rise up. It doesn't mean that, oh, bam, you've all the answers and you know exactly what's going to happen, but you just know the Lord's got this. If I, just, if I just allow him to, to work through me, if I just yield to him, if I just stop trying to work everything out myself and stop trying to, you know, figure everything out and just give it to him, he's going to, he's, the joy rises because he's going to look after those things, right? So, but sometimes the word, the word brings joy, right? But sometimes in our lack of maturity, we get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> we get ahead of ourselves and we want to see the, we want to see the fruit, we want to see the results straight away. We get ahead of ourselves and we want to see, right, well, I'm doing this, Lord, I'm putting this in, I'm putting, and I'm applying the principles of God's word to this area. Now, I want to see the fruit of it. I want to see what happens when I do this. And we get ahead of ourselves, and then you know what happens? We get sucked into a results business. We get sucked into, right, if this doesn't happen by then, it's, that doesn't work, I'm going to try something else. That gets you out of faith right? We do everything by faith, right? We stay in faith, right? So we tend to want to see everything on the surface from the get-go, right? We need patience. <laughs> we need endurance, right? 
There's, a, you know, the Bible uh, <laughs> tells us of a principle called seed time and harvest. Put a couple of eyes into the time there. Seed time, harvest. Right? Because when you plant the seed, time is needed before you will see the harvest. When you plant the seed of God's word, time is needed before you're going to see the fruit of it. Right? You need to be patient. You need to be in faith. Right? It's not a, it's not a quick fix. Right? But sometimes in our lack of maturity, we get sidetracked by these things and we, we, we wait a week, two weeks, a month, a year, whatever. And we're like, we, any timeline, we're like, we're putting it in a time frame. And we're like, if it doesn't work, that's it. It's not, it, it's not worth anything right? So that's, that's, that's bad, church, right? We tend to want to see everything on the surface from the get-go, but we need to realize the word, it needs to put down roots. If you were to plant a tree, right, from seed form, if you were to plant a tree, a lot of what's happening in the beginning happens below the surface, right? That, that doesn't sprout up immediately. Why? Because the tree, well, first of all, the seed's in that growth phase. It's growing and growing and growing. But even when it starts to sprout or whatever, that starts to even get up a wee bit above the surface. Not, a mu not much is happening up where you can see. A lot of it, in order is that, tr if that tree is getting stable in the soil, that plant is getting stable in the soil, it is putting roots down. And yes, the roots will continue to grow and spread as the tree develops, but it has to get to a certain point before it can start to, you know, grow and, and, and be fruitful. It has to get to a certain point where the roots are deep, where the roots are holding on, where the roots are receiving sustenance, okay? So... In order for the tree to thrive above the surface, the root, needs to, the root needs to be able to sustain the tree, right? So once that tree starts to grow above the ground, it's going to need a strong root system. What does the root system do? It keeps it in place. So when the winds come, the same as the house built on the rock, when the storms come, when the persecution comes, when the tribulation comes, when the name calling comes, when the, you know, whatever, when all of these things come, you're rooted, because it's personal. It, you're, you've got a conviction. It's not a belief. It's not, a, oh, I'm following this doctrine now or this doctrine and that doctrine. Uh, no, it's a personal relationship with Jesus. So you're rooted. The word of God is in your heart, right? If that tree doesn't grow deep enough roots needed to sustain it, it will never grow to maturity. It'll never produce the fruit that God wants it to produce, right? No matter what stage of the Christian walk you're on, the word is always getting revealed to you in new ways. Don't get to the point where you think you know it all, right? The, where, no matter what stage you're at, the Word of God is getting revealed to you in new ways. The Holy Spirit wants to peel back layer after layer to you, right? But you have to have ears to hear. We can't afford to hear something for the first time. This is what this type of ground is talking about. Listen to this. You can't afford to hear something for the first time, get excited about it, and then just go, all right, leave it there. This is what happens. You know, you get in, you hear the Word of God, it stirs joy, you get excited, and then you just leave it there. You don't meditate on it. You don't think about it. You don't dwell on it. You don't act on it. What's going to happen? It's just, it's not going to produce, right? Never study it out. You may have got excited about it in the beginning, but then if you leave it there, church, it's not going to work. But notice how Jesus said in verse 17, let's look at that. In verse 17, it says, and they have no root in themselves. They have no root in themselves. Church, 
you can't live off somebody else's garden. You can't live off somebody else's revelation, right? It's, that won't sustain you. That won't sustain you. It will not keep you in place when these things come. You'd be like, oh, yes, I'm part of that body, or yes, I'm part of that church, or yes, I'm, I'm under this ministry or that ministry. So when these things come, you know, I, I'm going to, yes, and there's protection in, in those things. But I'm telling you, unless you have that relationship for yourself, unless you have that conviction for yourself, you won't, you won't be prepared. You will not stay standing, right? They have no root of themselves. You can't live off somebody else's garden. It has to become real to you. It has to be personal to you. Remember, an unshakable conviction. You have to take the principles of God's word, put them to work in your life, in your life. You need to allow them to take root in you. And this is what builds your, your, your faith. Like if you, take, if you go out into a forest or go out into a tree or into a field where there's several trees growing, right? They may have all been planted together. They may all be in, in close proximity to each other. But that one tree is not dependent on another tree's roots to get its, its sustenance, is it? No, it has its individual root, right? So that tree is dependent on itself to survive. It's dependent on what its roots, how deep they are, what type of ground it's in. That tree is dependent upon itself and how it can draw from that ground, how it can draw from um, its sustenance, right? You, you can, and another tree is not dependent on, one tree is not dependent on another tree. We can't depend on somebody else to feed off all the time. We need to, it needs to be real to us. Amen? Amen. This type of heart is a shallow heart. We don't want to have shallow hearts. We want hearts that are full of the word of God. This is what will prepare us to stand in the days ahead. So when describing this type of heart, it specifically mentions persecution and tribulation, right? We need to have strong root systems, foundations in order to keep going, right? So the word here where it says, at the end of verse 17, um, let me read that verse again. It says, and they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble, right? They stumble, the word for stumble in verse 17 is the Greek word scandalizo, right? And it means to put a snare in the way, to cause to stumble, to give offense. In the King James Version, if you're reading from King James, you'll notice it says offense. They become offended, right? So if God's word is not deeply rooted in your heart, you can, get very, you can very easily lose your enthusiasm. You can very easily uh, lose that excitement about the truths that, that come from the word of God right? Church, how many of us have seen these things? People who come to the Lord, people who start hearing the word, get themselves planted, whatever. There's a, there is enthusiastic. I mean, they're the first here every week. There's an enthusiasm. There's a joy, right? There's an there's a excitement about the things of God, about the word of God. And then what happens then many times, right? As time goes by, that enthusiasm you see starts to dwindle. That excitement isn't quite there. The spark isn't quite there. The passion isn't quite there. And then they stumble. The Bible tells us exactly why this happens. It's because there's no root. They have no root in themselves. They may have got planted. They may have got the word in so far. And then as the roots were starting to take, trying to get deep, trying to get into that ground, the ground of the heart, it, 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 for some reason, it wouldn't allow the word to take, root, to take root. If the word can't take root, it can't produce, right? 
even if there was a fire at one stage. And I've seen a church, there can be fire, there can be passion. It will begin to cool off if the heart is shallow. You don't want a shallow heart. It doesn't mean you completely turn away from the things of God, right? Although that can happen, right? It can happen. And if you keep going in that direction, it very likely will happen. But it doesn't always mean that you turn away, oh, then you're offended and, you're, and you, know, you just completely turn your back on God. But it, if, if, it can just mean that you lose your excitement, your enthusiasm. If Satan can get you to lose your passion, if he can get you to the place where you're cautious and afraid to speak, right? And that, a lot of the times that happens when, we're, when we feel persecuted, when we feel like these things are coming against us, we become cautious, we begin to retreat, we begin to come into our shell, we begin to, you know, be the light under the basket instead of on the lampstand, right? When these things start to happen, we start to retreat or draw back. And if Satan can get you to the point where you're cautious and you're afraid to speak, when you're unenthusiastic, when you're offended at, the, at, at, at stuff that's spoken, then he's succeeded at what he set out to do, which is what? What does he always succeed? To, what does he always set out to do? To stop the word from producing in your life. Church, you'll hear me say this time and time again. Satan's not after you. He's not after your family or your, so to speak. He's after the word of God. He's after the word of God in your life from producing. If he can get you to doubt the word of God, then he can just pick you off or destroy you and just manipulate right? If he can get you to doubt the word of God. Church, I'm telling you, it's key. It's key. You need to get the word of God rooted. It's foundational. It's foundational, but so many times around the body of Christ, you see this, these things happening. And like I said, no matter what stage of your Christian walk you're on, I don't care if you're saved 40, 50, 60 years. Well, for a start, we know what, what maturity looks like. It's not how long that you've been in church. It's not what age you are. Maturity is when you're led by the Spirit of God, Romans 8, 14. The sons of God are those who are led by the Spirit of God. The mature sons of God are those who are led by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. If you can't be led by the Holy Spirit, then you're not mature, believer. Okay, so maturity comes, no matter what walk of you're on, no matter how mature you are, or you know, how long you've been in church, how much of the word you know, there's always more. There's always more, there's always more, there's always more revelation. When tribulations or persecutions that we experience come for the word's sake, count it all joy. Count it all joy. When these things come, rejoice. Like I said a few weeks ago, it's not personal to us. You know, the word of God has power in it. So when we start speaking the word of God, God uses his word to bring the conviction. Remember, like I said, that when the light is, sh is, is shine, when the light shines, it brings the conviction and it presents the person with two choices. It starts challenging and motivating people to change. And if they don't change, they have to deal with the conviction somehow. You say, but why does he? They have to deal with the conviction somehow. And many times it's an automatic pushback on the person delivering the message, on the postman. Who's the postman in here? Are you delivering the message? Are you delivering the post? Are you delivering Jesus's post? Right? If you are a postman in here, a lot of the times, you know, you're going to get the pushback. Why? Because they're dealing with it somehow. They're dealing with the conviction. And let me tell you, they may not even know that it's a conviction. They may not even recognize that it's a conviction, but it's a conviction. Why? Because the truth of God's word will always expose sin. Light will always expose the darkness. So then they begin to push back on the person delivering, right? You know, as I was looking at these things, 
looking just at the life of Jesus, looking at through the Gospels and how he acted, you know, when Jesus spoke, it usually either resulted in a, in a revival or a riot. Okay? When Jesus spoke, it would have been a revival or a riot. You know, people, they weren't accepting of what he had to say. A lot of people weren't, right? It didn't mean that Jesus changed his message. Jesus said, if you're not willing to follow me, if you're not willing to do these things, well, that's, that's it. Jesus didn't compromise. Jesus didn't shy away, right? The message was not always accepted, and the early church experienced the same thing. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 15. I want to look at this here. There's so much more on that parable of the sower. You know, obviously, there's all the different types of ground, but this one in particular is what I wanted to look at this morning because it speaks about persecution and tribulation. We need to be rooted. We need to be grounded, right? In Matthew chapter 15, it says, uh, from verse 10, I'll read, when he had called the multitude to himself, this is Jesus, he said to them, hear and understand, not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. Then his disciples came and said to him, do you know that the Pharisees, that these people, they, you've just offended them of what, you, of what you've said. They're offended when they heard this saying. But he answered and said, every plant which my heavenly father has not planted will be uprooted. Leave them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. Church, you need to make sure that whoever you're following, they can see the blind leading the blind, it's, it, everyone's going to land up in the ditch, right? When people were offended by the truth that Jesus spoke, he didn't take it personally. He didn't take it personally. He says, listen, if they're of God, they'll be okay. They'll get over it, right? If they're of God, they won't be uprooted. If they're of God, they, if they're not of God, they will be, right? They will be uprooted. So he said, leave them alone. They're just blind leaders leading the blind, Right? Jesus did not take it personally when, when people did not accept what he had to say. He knew that if people were truly of God, they would, they would have accepted it. It's foolish for us to think that if we walk in love, oh, we'll just walk in love and then everybody will accept us. That's foolish and it's incorrect to think that way. It's actually the opposite, church, right? Why is it the opposite? Because true love confronts. I'll say that again. True love, it is confrontational. True love will see a hopeless situation and then say or do whatever it takes to, to speak hope, to, take, to change that situation, to turn it around. That's what true love looks like. True love isn't always agreement. Oh, I'll just agree with what they have to say because then, you know, they'll see that I'm walking in love. No, church, that is bad right? True love, we, not, we do not need to be agreeing with everything that's going on, right? That's not true love. The church seems to have lost its way a bit on this, but we need to get back on tr track on taking our example from Jesus. If we get offended and become too shy to speak the truth because of what people may say, the word will stop, cease, it will cease producing fruit in our lives. End of story. If we get too shy, if we get too cautious, if we allow what people say or do to us to, to stop us from speaking the truth, to stop us from getting the word into our hearts, if we get offended at these things, if we become bitter, if we become too shy, whatever, God's word will stop, it will stop producing fruit. It will cease. The roots of the word that we put down in our hearts must rule how we act, not the opinions of other people. 
You say, well, the, truth, the word of God's deeply rooted in my heart. That's what needs to rule you. The Holy Spirit within you, that's what needs to rule you. Not the opinions of other people. Not what people think of you or say to you or do to you. You know, when we speak the truth, you know, first of all, Jesus said the truth that he spoke would divide and separate people. Did you notice how Jesus said, I didn't come, I didn't come to bring peace on earth. I didn't come to, you know, all of this to be unified and everything's going to be okay. No, Jesus said, I came to separate, right? What was he talking about? He was talking about the people who decide to choose me and the people who don't, right? Separating family, separating whatever, right? When we speak the truth, it's going to divide and separate people. We need to be prepared, when we speak it, some accept, some don't. When those who don't accept it say or do to us, or what those who don't accept it say or do to us, that shouldn't stop us from continuing to speak the truth. Jesus told us these things in order to prepare us, but he's given us his word and his spirit to keep us along the way. And I want to read this to you here. I'll wind in with this. In Matthew chapter 10, um, if you just go back a few chapters, we were in 15 there. In Matthew chapter 10, here again, this is Jesus telling us of, of what we were going to be going into. Behold, I send you out as a sheep, a sheep in the midst of wolves. That looks fun, doesn't it? A sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. You will be brought before um, the kings for my sake and as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how and listen to this, church. Do not worry about what you should say or how you should speak. For it shall be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speaks, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. Now, brother will deliver up brother to death, and a father his child, and the children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. If we want to endure to the end, we need to be prepared to stand. Church, I'm telling you, if you want to endure to the end, you need to be prepared to stand because everything's going to come against you in order to get you to stop standing for up, up for Jesus and what he, what he stands for, what he is and who he is. To stand in the midst of wolves who hate what you have to say. Push back on what you're doing. However, the Lord tells us not to worry because we have the Holy Spirit who will give us the words to speak. So we've looked at the importance of the word, the foundation of these things, and maybe we'll look at more into the Holy Spirit now in, 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 in the weeks to come, whatever the Lord wills. But church, we have the word and we have the Holy Spirit within us, right? Jesus said in John 16, verse 1, These things I have spoken to you, that you should not be made to stumble. Here you have that again. The Passion says, I have told you this so that you would not surrender. To confusion or doubt. So Jesus spoke those words right after he warned, warned his disciples about the world's hatred towards him and towards those who follow him, which means persecution, right? He ensured that we were, that we're, that we're aware of any traps laid out to us. In the midst of this, he was speaking about the Holy Spirit also. He says, don't you worry about these things. I'm going to send my helper. I'm going to send what you need. And in chapter 15 of John 16, oh, sorry, in John 15, Verse 26 and 27, it says, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me, and you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the, beginner. So the, from the beginning. The word for Helper in this verse is the Greek word parakletos, 
I love that word, right? And it means to call to one's aid. To call to one's aid. It means consoler, comforter, advocate, intercessor, helper. helper. The Holy Spirit is all of these things. He's all of these things. He's before you, behind you, beside you, all around you. He's within you. These things are really pressing upon my heart, church. He gives us boldness to speak what Jesus spoke. He gives us the divine strength we need to withstand the persecution we face for his name's sake. And I love that description, call to one's aid. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He continually reveals the word to us, but we need to have ears to hear. We need to have ears to hear, and then we need to obey what he's telling us to do. We need to stay in step with him. And I'll finish with this verse in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. It says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When, did the, when he was given this charge to the early church, to his disciples, he says, When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, power comes. Church, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled up to overflowing with the Holy Spirit because he's our source of power. When we get the word as our foundation, when we build upon the rock, when we get the word deeply rooted in our heart, when we don't have a shallow heart or a stony heart or a a, a thorny heart, when we've got a heart that produces the fruit of God's word, and when we yield to the Holy Spirit, the helper, our consoler, our advocate, our intercessor, our parakletos, when we have that on the inside, when we yield to those things, church, we'll be prepared to stand. I truly believe that we have everything that we need in the word of God and the Holy Spirit. You don't need a formula. You don't need a course. You don't need this course, that course. You need the word of God within you, deeply rooted in your heart, and you need the Holy Spirit. And you'll be prepared to stand. Amen? Praise God. Are you blessed? Who wants to endure to the end? I want to endure to the end. I don't want to get so far and start just produce fruit so much like an odd apple here or there. I want to produce a full orchard. I want to be fruitful in the kingdom of God and I want to endure to the end. And you need to be prepared to stand, church. Be prepared to stand. Remember, you have everything you need to keep going. Praise God. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for this wonderful time in your presence, Lord. Such a wonderful presence here this morning. We're thankful, Lord, for the veil that was torn that we can come before you and receive from you and just glorify you, Lord, and just be with you. Just be in your midst. We're thankful, Lord, for this communion Sunday. We're thankful for remembering, Lord, the, the sacrifice that, we, that you had for us, Lord. We thank you for your word. We plant it deep in our hearts. We prepare our hearts, Lord, for what, for what you want to do in our lives, Lord. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that's with us, that's our helper that's our aid, that's by our side in everything that we do. You never leave us, you never forsake us. We thank you, Lord, that, this, that the people in this house, Lord, will be prepared to stand. We'll be ready, Father, no matter what tribulation, no matter what persecution, no matter what comes against us, we are prepared and we will endure to the end and we will be saved, Lord, at the very end. We thank you. We thank you, Lord, we love you. We thank you for Psalm 91 that we dwell in the secret place of the Most High. We abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Father, Lord, that we pray, Lord, no sickness, no disease, no evil will befall us, no plague will come near our dwelling place. 
These things cannot prosper against us because we are under the shadow of the Almighty. We dwell in the secret place. We belong to you. We know we are redeemed. We know we've been purchased and bought back. We pray, Lord, do you give your angels charge over us, keeping us in our ways, Lord, that everywhere we travel, at home, in our workplaces, everywhere we go, Lord, you're with us. Your hand of protection is upon us. Your favor, Lord, surrounds us like a shield. We thank you for this week, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for our conference coming up, Lord. We commit those things to you. We're looking forward to it. We're expecting, Lord, hearts to be changed, lives to be forever turned around for your glory. Miracles, signs and wonders, Lord. We thank you for a mighty move of your spirit in this place this week. We're expecting, we're praying for it, Lord. We pray that you're stirring on the hearts of people, Lord, to be here, to sit under your word and receive from your presence, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Help us be ambassadors this week. Help us represent you the best we can and with faithfulness and love. Help us walk in love towards one another, not tearing each other down, but building each other up. Not going behind each other's backs, Lord, but really protecting each other, bearing one another's burdens. We thank you for it, Lord, that we walk in faith and love towards you. And Lord, we declare that here at Island Church, we're covered by your blood, empowered by your word, and anointed by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. We are so glad you could join us for our latest message. We are located right in the center of the town and we would love for you to call in and see us. Details are on our website at islandchurchdundalk.ie.